big league goatees. Got a lot of things that I want to say. Listen to this podcast every day. Big league goatees. Ciao. Welcome back to the Big League We Got This podcast. Today I'm talking with the esteemed Dr. Cosgrove. Uh, he's head of the American Mustache Institute, uh, which and I quote was previously the world's leading facial hair advocacy organization from 1965 to 2018. Now doing business as the American Blockchain and Roast Beef Institute. Does that all sound about right? Indeed, Jack. Indeed. Yeah, so... Uh, I guess I just kind of want to talk to you about like what you're doing with the AMI. Like uh, where did your history with mustaches begin? Like was your, uh, was your dad in porn? Was he a cop? Like where did that all start? Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I should note that the American mustache Institute is of course, one of the most progressive organizations uh, the world over. My story as such begins uh, with my mother. I owe my mother a debt of gratitude where the, the bulk of my follicular genes uh, have come from her side of the family, uh, the Italian side. My father, I love the man to death. Unfortunately, like you, he is a bald faced mortal. Uh, but, you know, like one thing we, we say often, not all mustaches are worn on the face. Some are worn on the heart. And we do appreciate uh, individuals like yourself who may not be owning and operating a mustache, but they're out there doing the Lord's work, advocating on our behalf, highlighting some of the great mustaches uh, in the history of uh, what it seems like now, professional sports. So you're doing your, your, your deed. Uh, hopefully this is a foray into your uh, gargantuan leap into manhood upon graduation, mayhaps, but, but we'll get there in due time. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I'm actually, I'm working on a mustache right now. I'm in the incubation phases, just a week or two in, which I've tried before, but I don't know. My hair is kind of blonde. I don't know. Do you know who uh, Jerry Roos is? He's a Pittsburgh guy. That's, I mean, if I, if I could emulate something like that, I think I would have, you know, achieved my life goals, but I'm just doing what I think I was uh, put on this earth to do. You know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Jack, you know, the bald-faced majority has been leading a propaganda machine against our people as far back as, as uh, print, really, as far back as print goes. And it's important to remember that there is no such thing as a bad mustache, just bad people who neither own nor operate nor support the sexually dynamic mustached American lifestyle. So whilst you may be of the lighter-haired variety, that's okay. You're well on your way. Uh, you know, once you once you hit the ripe age of 21, we like to say that uh, you can always fertilize that upper mouth brow with uh, bourbon tempered by mm. red meat and uh, preferably roasted root vegetables. Yeah, I just uh, I actually just hit that ripe age, so I'm I'm starting to work that into it. Uh, I guess the future is yours. I hope so. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues going around today. How, how have like masks impacted mustached Americans? Because well, you know, from- it's always been a long, uh, you know, this, this has been a long conversation that we've had, especially with members of the EMT uh, emergency medical team community uh, who are forced to wear masks, firemen, 
notably have extraordinarily robust and girthy mustaches, but from time to time, they'll find themselves uh, buttheads with, again, a bald-faced fire chief or administrator, perhaps, who, who wants them to eschew uh, their lower nose forestry unit under the you know, under the, under the notion that the mask might not fit snugly enough. Uh, on the American Mustache Institute campus, uh, which houses not only the Institute broadly, also our think tank where much of our policy endeavors are created. Of course, I'm sure you're aware of Mustache Forward. Um, you know, we've, done, we've done much testing, many opportunities in the real world, uh, our campus is home to dozens and dozens of ruggedly handsome students where, of course, we employ the latest in experiential learning. And we've tested the different masks, the N95, the KN95. Uh, we've worked, of course, you probably don't see this much in the news, uh, but we've worked hand in hand with the Center for Disease Control, Center for Vaccine Research, making sure, of course, that uh, masks are not just safe for based Americans, but for all Americans. And what we would say is get yourself fitted, you know, mm. vax okay. up, mask up, and uh, feel free to uh, just experiment a little bit, right? That's what life's all about. Find the mask that works for you, be safe, carry on. Mm. So would you consider using a clear mask to, you know, show that evidence of manliness? You know, this is the kind of thing that people ask that often. Um, you know, like I said before, there, there, are, there are two types of people in this world, those who employ a mustache and women and children. And what we like to say, you know, we might wake up every day and be in the top three to four percentile of, of good looking individuals in the American population. Sure. It's fine. Right. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of effort to wake up and be handsome, but we do it. It's part of our duty. Do we need to show this off? We don't need to do it. Do we do it for other people? I guess. Does the mask, uh, you know, hinder our ability to, to live this mustached American lifestyle? It doesn't. Um, would I use a clear mask? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. do that myself. I guess if anything, we do it for the people, right? Just to see a mm-hmm. smile on a child's face, uh, you know, maybe a little, little whip around turn of the head from... Mm-hmm lady in the neighborhood walking by oh, definitely yeah whatever you know just something to bring a smile to their face yeah that makes a lot of sense who uh who kind of shaped your philosophy on mustache who did you emulate who do you look up to well you know my predecessor in the american mustache institute dr aaron perlett out mm-hmm. of st Louis, missouri which is of course home of the world's largest mustache <laughs> the the St. Louis Arch. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's significantly older than I am. Um, a bit more rotund. He's, he's experienced, aged, uh, but experienced. You know, he's really helped me understand that, you know, within uh, my genetic ability to, to grow and develop and cultivate uh, this upon my face. Mm-hmm. I audio only so i would uh, invite your your listeners to just close their eyes and imagine um but will, yeah you know he's really helped me understand that through this position that i've since inherited uh the the power that i hold the ability to hold court with 
politicians, uh, heads of state, the world over. You know, it it kind of comes down to: Am I going to use this power for good? I'd like to think so. Um, you know, do I do I turn down a free beer? No, of course not. Somebody wants to no, buy me a beer. You know, let me ask you this, Jack, and I invite your audience to consider the same. Has anyone ever walked up to you at a bar and said, you know, that's a really good, clean shave. I'd like to buy you a beer. Never. Absolutely. I'm losing out on all those life experiences. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, though. You grow yourself a heck of a mustache. And uh, you're going to find yourself with a tap on the shoulder. Somebody turn around and say, boy, I wish I could do that. Let me buy you a beer. I'm working towards it. You're going to get get there. there. I'm going to get there. And I think... I mean, not to go back to the mass, but I, I think I have like an internal conflict because part of the reason I'm growing this mustache, I mean, at least in the incubation stages, like right now I look kind of like a middle school basketball player, you know, trying to impress the ladies, but uh, the mask almost like helps with that stage. Cause I I'm just rocking the mask all day in class. I don't have to worry about, you know, Jessica in my biology class looking at and going, that's gross. Cause I can just avoid that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of the things we look at. Uh, we, we also look to the four, first four to six weeks as the incubation phase, which often yeah. comes with a beard as well. Uh, mm. We'll look for those colloquially as the training wheels. Uh, it's to kind of help you get past the, those first awkward-ish few weeks, right? Where the uh, fertilize the ground, get out in the sunshine, get a little vitamin B, some zinc in you, and just let it go, right? Um, it's a great exercise in, in humility and checking your ego at the door. You know, a great mm-hmm. mustache is not drawn, is not grown overnight. This is all about the experience. And uh, much like, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So does a, uh, the growth of a, of a, of an energetic, charismatic, uh, potentially infamous mustache. It grows with putting down the razor one, one day and just letting yep. it yeah. You got to commit to it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're a doctor, uh, right? Correct. Kind of on the AMI. I am a doctor of nuclear mustachology. I've studied mustaches at the absolute most granular level to understand really what makes things, uh, what things, what, what, make, what makes things work down there? Mm-hmm. What are the beginning of the cosmos of the upper lip? That's kind of where am I, uh, from, from more of a theoretical perspective is where I've, I've received my doctorate. So what are the proportions? Like, what are the ideal? What are we looking at? Again, there is no such thing, you know, mustaches and snowflakes. No two are the exact same. Mm. Um, I like to think we can look back historically. I, I have a, uh, a colleague of mine, Dr. Andrew Muscowick, who is a uh, paleontological mustachologist. So he'll look oh. back the way that, uh, the mustache has affected, uh, bas- you know, the, the evolution of mankind through the years. And what one theory I find extraordinarily interesting is that Dr. Miskowick has noted that perhaps the ancient Algonquins, they, they often spoke mm. of animals uh, and how everybody had a different spirit animal within them. What we have, have come to understand and Dr. Miskowick has posited is that those spirit animals are actually just different mustaches. Everybody has a wow. different mustaches. Some are more passive. Some are a little more aggressive. Some are wolves. 
Some might be rabbits. It doesn't matter. Some are soft. Some are bristly. But uh, yeah, there's some really exciting work going out of the paleontological mustachology department here on uh, the AMI campus out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I've heard a lot. Oh, uh, actually, I guess maybe on the topic of Pittsburgh, uh, my roommate actually is from Pittsburgh. So just wondering uh, the impact you guys have had there specifically. Is it a grassroots type deal? Well, when we took over in 2013, uh, through the, the passing of the ceremonial ripoff windbreaker pants, mm-hmm. hosted a press conference uh, at City Hall with City Council, of course. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Very. And predicted that by the year 2600, there would be a financial windfall to the city of roughly $3.5 billion. Uh, mm-hmm. Most would come from uh, parking fees from our various events. So we are well on track uh, to hit that number in the next 575-ish years. Um, but, you know, as, as time goes on, we'll, of course, recalibrate and take into account inflation and such, too. Of course, yeah, you have to. So I guess, I mean, you're talking about the future here. What's the future of mustaches? Well, the future is bright. Uh, we, of course, things come in peaks and valleys. Uh, you know, you could look back to the 30s, the 40s, mustaches were all the rage. 50s and early 60s, 60s, things got a little bald-faced. 70s, facial hair was coming back pretty, pretty good. You saw that mainly in the sideburn area. Uh, the, the, the chops were pretty, pretty oh, good. Yeah. 80s into 90s, uh, the boy band ages were tough. But then mm-hmm. coming 20, you know, you're looking in the 2010s, things started taking uptick. The pandemic, it's not great. Uh, but if you look for a silver lining, the staying at home, people tended to grow their hair out, their facial hair quite a bit. It's, a, it's been a bit of a renaissance. So, um, you know, right now things are, from a mustache and facial hair point of view, things are looking pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Happy that the, uh, AMI's mission, the word's getting out there. Uh, I think I should have probably sent you a picture, but I'm looking at a picture of Goose Gossage right now, and uh, I think it'd be sweet if we could talk it's about it. It's burned like, into my brain. Oh, fantastic. Man looks like. He's in the, of course, Mustache Hall of Fame, one of the inaugural inductions. So I'm not sure on the year, but I'm looking at Pure Goose, San Diego Padres. Uh, was he playing in the 70s? I think so. I mean... Not He's sure. one individual whose uh, career spanned three different decades. And so oh, wow. sometimes you'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the mustached athlete, the mustached individual. Um, and fun fact, too, the mustache is the only performance enhancing accoutrement allowed mm. uh, through the International Olympic Committee. Oh, uh, that makes perfect sense. Time, time again, that the, the mustached individual tends to perform at a rate of 39.4% better than their bald-faced competitor. Um, mainly because this, of course, allows the extra testosterone to flow. It, it brings out the most primal instincts in an individual. Uh, their reaction rate is significantly faster. Uh, really, any professional or even amateur athlete who chooses to shave is putting themselves at a very distinct disadvantage. But that's also why so many Eastern European women are uh, significantly better competitors than their Western, uh, than their Western competitors. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, 
Goose is the, I guess he's the prime example of that accoutrement, that advantage. I'm just looking, he's got fat chops in this picture I'm looking at. Like, are you a fan of the chops? I mean, they take up a lot of space, but I think they're pretty emblematic of uh, what you're standing for. Yeah, you know, I mean, all of our faces, of course, are are basically our own canvas with which to work. Mm. Um, I, I'll take note to your biology reference earlier. The mustache is yeah. the mitochondria of the face, right? Okay. Where it all begins. It's the powerhouse. But everything else after that, you just kind of need to soak it in, figure out what it is that you want to put forth in the world, and then run with it. Uh, Goose, you know, he started in the 70s. He's a Coloradoan. So he's a pretty rugged individual. Mm. Um, yeah, the big sideburns, the chops, that was kind of the thing. He's got a mustache that, uh, you know, the horseshoe mustache is one of the most difficult to grow. Uh, when you look at the way it comes across the natural chevron, that's the dad mustache, the top selling. Yes. And then it juts down uh, 180 degrees with, with full connectivity. Most people tend to have a little bit of a gap where the lip meets the face. It's, it's tough to do that. So that really speaks volumes to, uh, to, to Goose's ability, not just on the ball field, but of course, just in life in general, uh, that he can produce at, at, a, at a very high, uh, at a very high rate. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I mean, in doing this research, uh, I've been working on the last couple of weeks, I think there's a lot of debate on like, what's the hot spot for mustaches? Like I'm sure you're a Pittsburgh guy. Pittsburgh has had some innumerable stashes, but can you beat the Oakland A's in the early seventies? Is there anyone that rivals that? Well, you know, it's again, the Oakland A's are, are a great story um, of standing back mm-hmm. and against basically, basically management that held pretty significant anti-mustite beliefs. Um, and that is where the Raleigh Fingers story came from. And uh, his team, of course, jumped on board. And you can see that not only did it show in the, the, the very steep increase of ticket sales, uh, the demographic of fans, women aged 18 to 37, uh, went up roughly mm-hmm. 50% that time. Um, but, of course, the, you know, what it really matters in the win call. Uh, the Oakland A's in the seventies, that's one of the, you know, that's a real feel good story, but of course it's tempered, uh, that, you know, that's one year, right? Uh, that's one year. Maybe that's one, that's one story. There's a black guy that's been playing major league baseball now for almost a hundred years in the New York Yankees, a no facial hair policy. It's tough. You know, it's easy to look and say that, you know, the A's in the 70s did this, right? You can look at some modern day heroes. Clay, Clay Zavada is one uh, yes. recently. Um, and, and there are a handful of others who really look at doing this. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's pretty sad that the Yankees are constantly putting out 40 premier athletes and forcing them to take razor to face on a daily basis. And it hasn't really been panning out for them of late. I think no. you can see that once the, uh, the, the league really started to crack down on performance-enhancing drugs, uh, that they had a hard time really uh, finding a balance between their clean shave. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and claim that the entire team was using performance-enhancing drugs to uh, basically counterbalance their clean-shaven face, but I don't know that for a fact. You know, there, yeah. there's a chance that that's the only way they could compete as bald faced mortals, but I don't know that for a fact. So this is maybe this is a little bit of a personal question, but uh, 
if you had a child and he ended up being a bald face mortal, do you think uh, you could live with that? Well, I do have a son. Uh, he's five years old. And, you, yeah. you know, and since he's been born, neither one of us has shaved our upper lip, which I'm that very- is true. Um, again, you know, like I said, there's no such thing as a bad mustache. Um, as long as you're giving it an honest effort, you're supporting the lifestyle. There is no uh, mustache shaming, beard shaming. Um, mm. then, then you're really doing okay in the Lord's eyes. When you come out here and you start advocating policies that require a clean shaved face, um, well, then you're just human garbage and we don't, we don't need that. So again, uh, would I ever be disappointed in my son? I don't think so. I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but yeah. probably not. That's good. So I guess, uh, maybe just a final question, like what are the policy changes, uh, the AMI is looking to put into place right now. You got anything you want to say? Well, you know, there are a couple of things that we can point to. Um, for example, about six years ago, we had an individual from our, the, the Pittsburgh based casino. He was a chef and uh, would wax his mustache very tightly to the top of his lip in a handlebar uh, fashion and was being pushed. His, his career was being threatened by management to, to shave regardless. And uh, he reached out to us, our council reached out to their human resources team. And over a few months of negotiating, we were able to come to an agreement that allowed for facial hair, as long as it was kept and we agreed with this, um, you know, in a, in a neat appearance. Um, mustaches, beards, in all their even most natural form are glorious. But, you know, again, with those... Uh, with those different accoutrements, there comes a certain responsibility. And uh, we believe that we can find a way to, uh, to find that middle ground to allow everybody to be happy and good looking at the same time. Looking forward, of course, we are still lobbying. Uh, we do have a significant uh, lobbying base in the DC area. We work extensively with the Mustache Caucus, both in the House and the Senate and are pushing for a $350 annual tax rebate uh, for those who employ facial hair for grooming needs, of course. Now, this is nothing that is frivolous, but America has long been, uh, you know, a world leader in, in, most, in most aspects. And if we want to start, uh, you know, encouraging our, our population to continue being world leaders in uh the, the realm of good looks, then we need to understand that that doesn't come cheap. Of course, I'm sure you're aware as you embark on your own personal journey into mustache, that there are plenty of products out there to help uh, lubricate the follicles, uh, whether that be oils, waxes, uh, specialized conditioners, what have you. Um, you know, it doesn't come cheap, but we should be punishing our, uh, our people for, for wanting to use this. Of course, there's been big pushback from, uh, from the big razor industry. Yeah. But again, you know, that's what lobbyists, we let them go out, we let them do their job. Um, and we'll just see where, where the, where the cards fall, so to speak. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for defending, uh, all of our rights above the upper lip. We appreciate yep. what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, this is good.